Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is eight minutes after the hour. And uh, it looks like Santa came early. Uh, that's just because of Garson and Graffs. But welcome, Garson. By the way, his nickname is Speedy Gonzalez because he, he gets places on time all the time. Good morning. Especially with the track in this place. <laughs> yes. Uh, also on board with us is uh, Dale Roberts and uh, Chuck Basie. Dale, your website. I just gave you a like on Facebook, too. I, I, I didn't do that on purpose, but now it's done. I'm stuck with it. <laughs> now you're going to get like a three-day ban for that, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. He's going to get us in trouble. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, sir. And Chuck Basie. Good morning. Nice to be hey. here. I, yeah, I don't doubt it at your age, boy. I'll tell you. It's, it's good. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's let's move on. The, the uh, everybody is aware of what happened in Michigan. Uh, what a horrible tragedy! Uh, but the prosecutor came out yesterday, and I really am curious to get Dale's take on this. It'll be kind of a stop and go uh, as we run over her statement. Uh, the uh, the prosecutor is, of course, charging the parents uh, in those murders. So here are the details right from her lips. The investigation into the school shooting incident at Oxford High School, which occurred on November 30th, 2021, has revealed that James Crumbly purchased a Sig Sauer 9mm model SP-2022 from Acme Shooting Goods in Oxford, Michigan on November 26, 2021. A store employee confirms that Ethan Crumbly was present with James at the time of the purchase. Per statute, James Crumbly completed ATF Form 309A, 5309A. On or about November 26, 21, Ethan Crumbly's social media posts reveal photos of the semi-automatic handgun, along with the caption, Just got my new beauty today, including an emoji with hearts, Sig Sauer 9mm. Any questions I will answer, end quote. Subsequent to the purchase of that weapon, one of Jennifer Crumbly's social media posts on about 11-27-21 read, quote, Mom and Sunday testing out his new Christmas present, end quote. On November 21st, 21, a teacher at the Oxford High School observed Ethan Crumbly searching ammunition on his cell phone during class and reported the same to school officials. Okay, so Dale, so far, anything illegal in what we've heard? On the part of the parents, I, you know, really on the part of anybody. Okay, right. You know, I don't know if it, if I'd say it's just blatantly illegal, but there certainly appears to be some negligence there. On whose part? Well, I'm sorry. Let me back up. So, so far we have the, I've heard this before, so let me make sure I'm only responding to what you played and and. Not what I heard on your show yesterday. So far, we have uh, parents bought him the gun. Um, he's posted that I've got my new baby or whatever his new gun is. And mom said they took it to the range. Is that all we're talking about so far? So far. Okay, I'm sorry. In that case, no, we're, we're nothing illegal. And I don't think any, uh, any real negligence yet. And he's looking at ammunition while he's in school. He's online. I don't know if he's using his computer, smartphone, iPad, whatever. Uh, and that raises some eyebrows in school. But, but still not illegal, right? Right. 
I mean, I, you know, I was inattentive in school. We didn't have smartphones back then. We didn't have phones back then. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) Smoke signals. Yeah, not a crime. All right, let's move on. Jennifer Crumbly was contacted via voicemail by school personnel regarding that son's inappropriate internet search. School personnel indicate they followed that voicemail up with an email but received no response from either parent. Thereafter, Jennifer Crumbly exchanged text messages about the incident with her son on that day, stating, quote, LOL, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught. So they uh, let her know that he was looking for ammunition online, and she's not upset, just, you know, if you're going to do something like that in school, and that's, I would admonish a child, um, you know, you're in school, you know the the political leaning of schools and, and the public education system, be careful, uh, don't, don't do that so openly. I don't see a problem there either, do you? No. I mean, right. I, I mean, you're right. I, I would probably tell a student, look, you're in class for a reason. Uh, you can save that till later. But other than that, you're right. All right. Let's move on. End quote. On November 30th, 21, the morning of the shooting, the next day, Ethan Crumbly's teacher came upon a note on Ethan's desk, which alarmed her to the point that she took a picture of it on her cell phone. The note contained the following. A drawing of a semi-automatic handgun pointing at the words, quote, the thoughts won't stop, help me, end quote. In another section of the note was a drawing of a bullet with the following words above that bullet, quote, blood everywhere, end quote. Between the drawing of the gun and the bullet is a drawing of a person who appears to have been shot twice and bleeding. Below that figure is a drawing of a laughing emoji. Further down the drawing are the words, quote, my life is useless, end quote. And to the night right of that are the words, quote, the world is dead, end quote. All right, so this is concerning. Would you would you argue that it's, Chuck, do you think that's a bit? Uh, yeah, it uh, raises a lot of uh, uh, flags, so to speak. Uh, it seems like that uh, kid has some issues. Um, but it is, it, to me, it would be very alarming if I saw that on one of my grandchildren or my children when they're of age. So, Garson, if you are the principal or some uh, somebody at the school and you see this, would you ask the parents to come in? Would you ask them to come pick him up? What would you do? I'd, I'd make some calls and make some inquiries into what's going on. Um, maybe even like a social services kind of issue. Yeah, I think I would call the parents and I'd be concerned. But so far, once again, let me check with a legal mind, nothing illegal. Uh, No criminal offense, no. Okay. As a result, James and Jennifer Crumbly were immediately summoned to the school. A school counselor came to the classroom and removed the shooter and brought him to the office with his backpack. Counselor obtained the drawing, but the shooter had already altered it. The drawings of the gun and the bloody figure were scratched out along with the words, help me, and my life is useless. The world is dead and blood everywhere. Those were all um, altered by him. As the meeting, at the meeting, James and Jennifer Crumbly were shown the drawing and were advised that they were required to get their son into counseling within 48 hours. 
both James and Jennifer Crumbly failed to ask their son if he had his gun with him or where his gun was located and failed to inspect his backpack for the presence of the gun, which he had with him. Okay, so at this point, I think this letter is pretty, this drawing is pretty ugly. And I would be advising them to get some counseling. And under the circumstances, should the parents have been going through his backpack? Is there, Dale, any reason why they would? I, I don't know that they should have gone through his backpack. I will say they should have, the, the gun should have been secured in the first place so that it could never get into that backpack and be taken to school. Um and had they acted properly in that regard, you know, they, they wouldn't need to go into the backpack. And let me back up on something I said on the last section. When I said no criminal threat at that point on the note in the artwork that he did, or no criminal offense, I suppose someone could interpret that as a threat against someone. I, I'm not sure it's that clear, but I'm sure the prosecutor could take that approach. Um, but as for the backpack, yeah, I mean, the parents... I'm not sure if they could safely assume the gun was still at home, but it personally, I think when you have a, a child in the home, the firearm should be secured. So, yeah, I did a, a minute on this yesterday um, because it is it, 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 it if you're a gun owner, even if you don't have children in the house, when the gun's not on you, it should be locked up and safe, uh, just in case a burglar breaks into your home. Uh, you shouldn't leave it in the car because somebody could steal it from your car. Uh, and these parents clearly trusted this kid. But if I'm a, a parent and I know this kid has this gun and I see this drawing, I'm right away going to be suspicious. Well, and I, I, I'm not, I, I have no expertise in mental health. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, parents, as a matter of law, parents have to take reasonable actions to prevent and control their child's harmful behaviors. And if that artwork, if that whatever he did wasn't a pretty clear warning um, that he he was flirting with harmful behaviors, that he, he had mental... Pro I almost feel sorry for him. I think it's clear he had mental problems. Depression, he'd been bullied, I don't know what. Um, but I can't think of anything more clear that would tell the parents, we need to do something. You know, I'm thinking that should have been the same message that the school got. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're up against the clock. Qu take a quick break. We're going to come back. Gary on Guns, Hot Talk 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. It is 23 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Chuck Basie, State Representative, Second Amendment supporter on board with us. So is Dale Roberts, uh, not only an, a, an attorney, but specializing in guns and and, of course, Garson is in from Graffs, and, oh, wait till you see what's on the console. <laughs> uh, that's drool-worthy. Okay, uh, if you just tuned in, we're talking about uh, this uh, prosecutor's statement on the parents. They're being charged uh, with, uh, with murder uh, because of what the son did. Uh, we've, we've been going through this step-by-step step to see if this makes sense. Uh, let's... Uh, you, my observation here, part of my observation is, gee, the school had almost as much information. The only thing that they didn't know is that he'd gotten a gun for Christmas. Um, although, I guess if they checked his social media page, they would have found that out. But I don't <laughs> see where they're obligated to. But just based on what 
they've seen so far. I'm not sure I'd want that kid in school. I I I, I might have uh, I might have asked the parents to take him home now, but let's move on. James and Jennifer Crumbly resisted the idea of then leaving the school at that time, of, of their son leaving the school at that time. Instead, James and Jennifer Crumbly left the high school without their son. He was returned to the classroom. When the news of the active shooter at Oxford High School had been made public, Jennifer Crumbly texted to her son at 1122, I'm sorry, at 122 p.m., quote, Ethan, don't do it, end quote. At 1.37 p.m., James Crumbly called 911, reporting that a gun was missing from his house, and he believed his son may be the shooter. Further investigation revealed that the 6-hour 9mm handgun purchased by James Crumbly was stored unlocked in a drawer in James and Jennifer's bedroom. The gun recovered from the shooter at the school after the shooting was the same gun that was purchased by his father, James Crumbly, on November 26, 2021, in the presence of his son. Based upon the foregoing, the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office requested and received um, authorized, we charged four counts of involuntary manslaughter as to James Crumbly and four counts of involuntary manslaughter as to Jennifer Crumbly. All right, now, as she will later reveal, Dale, there is no state law that compels the parents to lock up the gun. So is is this leading to more culpability or not? Uh, uh, no, well, again, you know, they weren't legally required to do it. I think, well, as I said previously, you know, if uh, parents are legally required to take reasonable actions to prevent a child's harmful behavior, and I think they should have known from what they've seen here, and, it, you know, let me stop and let Garson interject, because what we all heard him say during the break. Yeah, so, yeah, during the break we were talking, and, you know, for for this situation to escalate to this point, there had to have been prior behavior that would have at least given them cause for concern. And there, there had to be something more to this than just he got a gun, he made a drawing, and then shot up his school. I mean, there had to be, you know, a pretty good groundwork to prove that, you know, this kid probably shouldn't be, you know, allowed to handle firearms on his own or at all. It just seems, it just seems like, you know, they're skipping over a lot of, you know, you know, history here and how this how this escalated to this point. Um, and it, I'm sure it didn't happen in the span of a week. Well, you know, if I'm an attorney, and I'm not, although Dale is, I could go to Dale on this, I would argue, do you know for certain, is it at all possible that they didn't know that this was going on? And I, I think if you were to be answer, answer honestly, yeah, it is possible, isn't it, Dale? It's possible, and I'm certain their attorney will argue that. Well, and you know, it, it's your kid, so you well put your head in your sand and overlook their their shortcomings or you know errors or faults. And Garson raises a good point. I mean, a lot of parents want to think the best of their children. You know, my son would never do that. I grew up in an era where maybe it was my father or maybe it was me 
when my father thought, oh, I, I better watch him. He's up to something. I don't know what. But, so, well, you know. inherited traits. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I think some of us grew up in an era where parents were a lot more, um, exercised a lot more oversight over their kids than parents do now. Um, but still, uh, you know. I don't know what happened leading up to this, as Garson said, you know, this it's unlikely that this just happened overnight. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that the prosecutor can make the case. They absolutely should have known uh, that this yeah. was going to happen. That's going to be a tough one. Uh, all right. Let me uh, let me. Uh, by the way, there's something else I want to talk about, uh, and that is the, the one smart move this uh, I was going to use a dirty word, but I can't. This kid used. Uh, but let's wrap this up. Well, let's not wrap this up. Thanks for watching. Out. No. For some reason, it ended prematurely. All right. Um, the one thing this kid did that I found reasonably, reasonably uh, a smart move is he wouldn't answer any questions for the police and said he wanted an attorney. Boy, if you could just pound that message into the head of gun owners everywhere, uh, that that's how you're supposed to respond. It, it, and don't get me wrong, I think this kid is, I, I, frankly, I think he's got some severe mental problems and, and is without conscience. But Dale, that is the right response when you're being arrested, is it not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in all fairness... And, you know, my background, I'm very pro-law enforcement. Um, but when you're in circumstances like this, you don't, one doesn't think clearly. And and as I've said before, even law enforcement officers, when they're involved in an, in what I would call an appropriate use of a firearm, um, they are usually given at least one, if not two, sleep cycles, theoretically two days for the stress to leave so they can give a clear and an accurate response. Man, I am just looking at the console and... Jeez, that is neat. All right, listen, we'll talk about those guns. Christmas gifts could be uh, coming up. It's Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 The Eagle. It is 35 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we've got uh, Dale Roberts on board, and uh, Garson is in. Garson, of course, from Graf's. And uh, he brought in some neat stuff. We'll chat about that in about 35 minutes. Uh, Chuck Basie is with us as well. And we're talking about this kid in Michigan whose name we will not mention on the program. And and uh, the response. Now, the parents have been arrested. They were hiding out, I guess, in some warehouse near the Canadian border. Uh, but Dale, their attorney said they'd be turning themselves in. Uh, I'm... So I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the parents are thinking, but man, that makes it look a lot worse, doesn't it? Oh, it certainly does. And, you, uh, you know, the parents or their attorney uh, issued a statement saying, well, after the news came out that their son had done this, they were afraid for their own personal safety. So they left the home, you know, in a self-protective mode. I'm like, well, that's a great cover story. Um, I, you know, I wonder if there's any truth to it and especially being close to the Canadian border. Yeah. That's a bit suspicious, huh? Yeah. We weren't going anywhere. All right. So boil it down for us. Can they make the case? Can the prosecutor make the case? 
Well, I'm not sure I can answer that. Part, partly because, I, you know, I don't know Wisconsin law. Um, Missouri law, certainly there's a Missouri Parental Responsibility Act that says, you know, parents can be responsible for some criminal acts of their children. But that's really a financial restitution concept. Um, and then, you know, there's there's language in manslaughter laws about, well, you know, there are laws about aiding and abetting, things like that. I'm not, I'm not sure about manslaughter. I, I certainly think they're liable on several levels. I just don't know enough about Wisconsin law um, to know how that how that particular charge is going to go. But those parents are responsible on several levels. It's going to be interesting, I'll tell you that. Garson, I have to ask, you know what's coming, because everybody wants to know, how you set for ammunition? Um, better, but not great. <clears throat> you got any uh, 45 uh, ACP? Um, a little bit. Um, we got some self-defense stuff. Target stuff still not readily available. Um, I, I see it popping up in larger quantities here and there. Um, but like like everyone else, we're still waiting our turn to get stuff from manufacturers. So um, it, it's coming. Um, we, we haven't crested yet, but I think I can see the top of the hill from where I'm standing. Do you know right. places like Lake City and Remington, whoever, are they up to full speed now? Well, Lake City's a military ammunition plant, so that really doesn't factor into most commercial ammunition production. Um, but I guess I, I thought they some of their uh, either seconds or uh, surplus overrun stuff yeah, can be went to the can private be sold market to yeah. uh, the private market. But yeah, I, I'm not aware of any anything coming out of Lake City except for military production right now, because when Winchester assumed control of the plant, the plant had been down for. A while, so they were behind on the contract before they even took possession of the building. Okay. Well, all right. Um, by the way, I have hundreds and hundreds of rounds, uh, maybe close to a thousand uh, of twenty-two uh, TMC or whatever that's called. TCM. TCM. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Turner Christian. Uh, uh, yes, that's the one. Um, I I uh, I heard that they're not making that ammo now. Is that true? Um, they're probably not making it because they probably have no primers to make it with. Ah, okay, that's um, interesting. There, there's only you know so many primer manufacturers, but there's about a hundred times more ammunition manufacturers than there are primer manufacturers. So anyone that's not manufacturing primers themselves has to rely on one of the ammunition companies that does make primers for their primers. And um, why would I sell it to you if I need it for my own production? Makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, that the strain continues. Uh, but it is loosening up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to see more stuff sitting on the shelf. I, uh, I was down in Kansas City on Wednesday and popped into Cabela's there. And they actually had primers sitting on the shelf um, for retail purchase, which I thought, would be strange, but then I saw the price and realized, yeah, only crazy people are going to buy it at one hundred and thirty dollars a box of a thousand. I uh, I was out uh, shooting and uh, was running low, and I and it was forty five ACP. So I I went to the uh, to the counter and bought some uh, bought a box, 
and it was 50 bucks for a box. So I only bought one, and now I'm just sitting back looking for deals. And I imagine a lot of people are. And if you are, give them a call down at Graf's uh, in Mexico, Missouri, and and, uh, and see if you can get a good deal because uh, you guys are being fair with the ammo prices, and that's... Yeah, and we've actually turned down ammo that we were offered to purchase because of the price. Um, you know, we, we basically said, no, we're not going to, we're not even going to try and buy this because we're not comfortable selling it at any markup to our customers. That's just not, that's, you know, there's no reasonable explanation for this price, so we're not even going to buy it. That's why I like graphs. Okay, let's move on. In Pennsylvania... Uh, they had a chance to pass constitutional carry, something our legislation, uh, our, our legislators passed here in Missouri. Thank you, Chuck Basie. I believe that was my first year in the legislature. Well, we have, um, perm- we have permitless carry, not constitutional carry. Yeah, yeah, right. I know, but most people refer to it. But you're absolutely right. It is permitless carry. But if we carry. keep referring it to it like that, people are going to think we have it, and then we're not going to move forward on it for true constitutional carry. Yeah, there are restrictions for permitless carry. Uh, that uh, kind of a problematic um, in terms of having the permit. So you're right. It is not constitutional carry. It is what most people refer to it as. But technically, you're right. Uh, it is just permitless carry. But in Michigan, I'm sorry, in Michigan, uh, in Pennsylvania, they almost had it. And then the governor vetoed the legislation. In Ohio, they're on the cusp of getting it. And several other states, I think 20-some states have permitless carry. Uh, so this this is promising uh, because if you're just a, a legal adult, legally able to own and possess a firearm in those states, you don't you don't have to uh, you don't even have to have the permit. I'm wondering, Chuck, if there's anything new that's waiting in the wings to come out, the new legislation being proposed, anything like that? Well, there is, Gary. Uh, we're, we uh, had our first day of bill filing this past Wednesday, December 1st, and uh, I kind of looked over the list, and it's, it's still early. You know, we, we can file bills up to March 1st, but uh, there's already about, uh, I'd say around 15 bills related to uh, firearms, and about half and half, you know, good, bad. Uh, the, you know, of course, the Democrats are doing what they do well and filing all kinds of bills restricting um, firearms in, in a multitude of ways. But, um, but you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what what comes out as far as uh, uh, bills filed and see which ones move. I uh, I filed a couple myself. Well, tell me, tell me what you filed. Well, that's got to be something I like. I, I filed a uh, again for the third year in a row that what they call campus carry to allow uh, law-abiding, you know, concealed carry permit holders to carry on public-funded college campuses. And uh, I actually had a hearing on that last year, but right the, the week that they were going to have the hearing, I came down with uh, COVID. And so, you know, naturally, I couldn't go to the Capitol then. So, uh, and they never did reschedule a hearing, unfortunately. But um, I'm hopeful that that bill moves this year. And then uh, the other one that I think is a very good bill. It, um, there, there's a problem that uh, it, that somebody that has had a, a something in their past where they got a suspended imposition of sentence can still go out and buy a firearm, but they cannot get a concealed carry permit. And uh, so I have a bill to fix that. And, and I know a couple of people. They're really good folks. One's a, a, a ex-Marine, Vietnam veteran. 
had a you know a very successful career and but because because he has one of these uh um things in his record he cannot get a concealed carry permit so uh worked with dale a little bit on the language and uh i haven't got it filed yet but i'm probably gonna file that uh monday afternoon when i get uh, down to jeff city in order to have that um you've got to stay out of trouble right yeah um so there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to Concealed carry, right? I mean, this this individual, there's a couple of people I know that are in this uh, predicament. They can go buy a firearm. They can do pretty much anything. They, you know, as long as they can pass the background check, and uh, but they cannot get a concealed carry permit. And Gary, more to the point, I mean, what we're talking about is somebody who has had a suspended imposition of sentence, and you only get that if the prosecutor and judge both think this person should not have a conviction on their record. Um, and after you've, you know, behaved and it's, and it's in quotes gone away, as Chuck said, you can still own firearms. You can still pass the next check and buy firearms. You can pass the FBI check to buy, you know, an automatic weapon. You can get an FFL license and sell firearms. You can be a law enforcement officer. And of course you can carry under Missouri's carry concealed under Missouri's permitless carry or constitutional carry. But you can't get a permit, which requires safety training, by the way. So it's a big disconnect in the law. All right. We've got, uh, we're up against the clock. Brian is telling me that he didn't want his paycheck to bounce. Uh, so he's insisting we take this break. But these are some really important messages from some really good sponsors. You're listening to Gary on Guns on Hot Talk 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Hey, Garson, I was uh, searching on the web, and I found this website. It's called MoGunLaw.com. MoGunLaw.com. And he's got a couple of disclaimers, and one of them is, I may show up on the radio with Garson, but we're not friends. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure why that's not. He's got, you know, uh, an obligatory disclaimer, an additional obligatory disclaimer, and then that last one. I, he, I don't know he, what he's that's He's just about. mad I like his dogs better. <laughs> you like his dogs better? Yeah. <laughs> His dogs are adorable, and all they want is hugs and kisses. I just and I have to keep my guns locked up because they could chew through a Glock in about fifteen <laughs> minutes. <laughs> that's the that's what you got to watch for. MoGunLaw.com. I was reading about you here under About Me, uh, and I well, first I saw About Me and I thought, well, isn't that nice of Dale? He wrote something about me, uh, but then I realized it was about you. But I read it anyway, and uh, man. I, I actually did not know some of the stuff that uh, is on here about you. Um, pretty Twelve impressive. Arrests, no convections? Well, it, the one line about uh, you can spit far for a pervert doesn't really make much difference. <laughs> but it says, uh, it taught various firearms classes since the mid-80s, started teaching firearms law seminars for the Missouri Bar in 07, uh, featuring uh, Alan Gura, as well as a senior attorney from BATFE, that's Burnham and Turnham to fire. Uh, <laughs> senior legal administrative specialist from the FBI and Nick's offices. Uh, and then Todd Burke, uh, who's a terrific firearms trainer. You were in the Navy, the Air Force. Uh, we know that you worked with uh, uh, Columbia, uh, uh, the police, uh, for their union. Uh, you really got quite a background here. You know, Gary, when I worked for the state, I had a number of coworkers who used to refer to their resumes as writing fiction for fun and profit. Oh, are you saying that's what you've done here? Oh, no, no, no. It's it's all it's all true. 
Okay. Uh, well, it's MoGunLaw.com. MoGunLaw.com. Uh, so are you working with anybody else besides Chuck Basie, who's sitting here with us uh, uh, on Gun Law? Not at the moment. I have been in touch with Jared Taylor and and uh, Eric Burleson, who were the gentlemen who sponsored the Second Amendment Preservation Act, um, to talk about that briefly, but really haven't talked about much else. It's time to start having those conversations. I've been doing a lot of work with Chuck Basie and and. As we all know, Chuck's one of the main, he's a leader in Second Amendment law in the legislature. So Yeah, you know what Chuck says, better to be a follower of, uh, a leader of men than a follower of women. I don't know what that means, but I thought <laughs> I'd throw that. Anyway, uh, Chuck, um, did you see what, what's going on with Eric Greitens in his I just campaign? saw something last night. Uh, I saw a, I got a text message from the Missouri Firearms Coalition, and I haven't had a uh, I got back late from St. Louis. I was over there most of the day, and I didn't have chance to really uh, to watch the whole thing. But apparently, he made a remark about SAPA, and I, I, I'm just assuming that he probably. I know he's a big supporter of law enforcement, so I'm. I and I've been getting comments and and messages from uh, law enforcement officials uh, across the state with concerns about SAPA. So I don't know if we're going to do anything about it. Um, I know Jared Taylor has been very, very adamant that he is not willing to change anything on that. Senator Burleson has said that he's might look at something, but we'll have to wait and see. So, but um, there are some concerns out there. I don't know if they're really. Uh, I don't want to say they're not valid. Of course, they're valid. But um, uh, the way I read the the law and, and talking with uh, Dale, um, you know that. Uh, SAPA protects law-abiding citizens. It's it's mentioned throughout that bill um, in several places. So I I uh, I don't know if it's just misinformation from some left-leaning attorneys or what it might be, but it it appears that uh, there's a lot of contention from certain groups, and that being law enforcement officials. We have gone over this law backwards and forwards, up, down, inside out. I don't see what the problem is. And I don't think Eric Greitens understands it. And I, I suspect that the uh, law enforcement officers across the state don't quite understand it, Dale. I, I agree. I, and I've had some officers challenge me on it. And then it seems pretty clear they haven't actually read it. They're just going by what they've heard. And, of course... You know, among other things, that the municipalities that are really objecting to it are Kansas City, St. Louis, and Springfield. And it's certainly, I'm sure it's a coincidence that those are the municipalities who make the most money from the federal government in terms of seizures and forfeiture money, which they receive thanks to their work with federal law enforcement officers. Um, you know, I think some of us, even during session before it passed, began to think that the reason they were objecting to it was because it was going to cut off their stream of free money, you know, untethered money from the Fed. But, you know, it is, yeah. it is what it is. Uh, by the way, uh, Chuck, he's also got a problem, apparently, with finance uh, laws that he is uh, allegedly in conflict with. Uh I'm not sure where that leads. I don't know if you've heard about that or not. 
I, I have. You're talking about the uh, the federal ethics right. uh, issues. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I haven't had a chance to really research it, but I've been hearing it on the, on the radio uh, here and there. So, um, and, and I'll just throw this out. It's, it's campaign season, so uh, there's going to be a lot of mud flying around. Well, time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, so, anyway, Garson came in from Graphs with some really neat stuff. And uh, I am dying to talk to you about it. So we'll do that next. I'm Gary on Guns. Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle.